The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week we are teaching you how to provide housing for other people and provide income for yourself and your family in the new normal. I'm so sick of that term. Like, when is it not the new normal anymore? And what was wrong with the old normal? I mean, there were things wrong, but... Not being able to go to movies was was good about the old normal, or sorry, bad about the new normal, whatever. Anyway, so uh, today we are going to do something that I'm not sure we've attempted before on Real Life Real Estate, which is on the radio without visual aids, <laughs> no slide presentation, um, compare two strategies that are both there. I mean, there's really good arguments for either one and they're, they're, they're largely strategies that if you had a single deal in front of you, you could do either one of them. And I love them both. And my guest loves them both. And we're going to sort of talk through like the pros and cons and how you make a decision about some particular property, about what you're going to do with it. And those two strategies are drum roll. I should have I should have cued you. I could have told you a, you could have actually queued up a drum roll. Man, you are so good. Those two strategies are wholesaling and selling properties repair for equity. Here to help me and all of us, of course, uh, sort of work our way through this thought process is. A guy who may be the only person I know in the country who has done more of both of these things than I have. It is Larry Goins. You'll recognize him because he has been on the show many times before talking about different aspects of, of repair for equity and business and all sorts of things. He he operates in what, from what I can tell, is about a seven-state area, lots, lots and lots of Lots and lots of places in the Carolinas and super successful real life investor joining us by phone. Larry, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. How you been? I've been good. How you been? I am doing great. Doing great. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. And if I slip into a southern accent while I'm talking to you, I'm not making fun of you. That's just like what I do because <laughs> my, my dad my dad was from Oklahoma and until the day he died, he never lost that accent. So wow. So I get to talking to somebody from the South, and pretty soon I'm like, so what are y'all doing tonight for dinner? There you go. How's your mom and them? <laughs> she's good. Yeah, she's good. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, bless her heart. 
Um, so, so the one, the one thing that I think we need to, we need to get out of the way before we like, like get into the discussion of, we got a deal. Do we wholesale it for cash or do we sell it repair for equity and get income is what is repair for equity? I mean, I think everybody who listens to real life real estate knows what wholesaling is. And we've actually done whole shows in the past on repair for equity. And it's not like it's a new thing. I mean, people have been doing that for literally hundreds of years. But I think it's a term that not everybody is able to connect to, you know, like, what is that? What is repair for equity? So give us a brief over overview of like, when you're selling a house repair for equity, what does that look like? Yeah, so, uh, and it's kind of funny you bring that up because you and I were having a conversation earlier. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> that's not what we call it. <laughs> yeah, and then I described it and you said, oh, I call that selling on seller financing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, actually, what I call it is is having a homeowner in training. That's ah. what I call it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, basically, you're able to, instead of selling a house, you know, a lot of people will wholesale it or they'll do a fix and flip um but you can buy a property and then turn around and sell it as is even though it needs work to somebody who is either wanting to be a homeowner and is currently renting or somebody who wants to become a landlord and they're going to fix it up and put a tenant in it so either one of those will work but a lot of people you know sell them to owner occupied buyers but we actually sell them to both so uh you know, it's just you're selling a property, you're offering the owner financing, and you can sell it on a land contract or contract for deed or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really neat concept. And, you know, for me, as well as you, Vina, you know, the cheaper the house is, the better it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that has to do with that has to do with the mathematics of the house. And we, 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 this is this is a place where, you know, we could actually explain it to people better if we had a whiteboard and they were <laughs> sitting in front of them. But ba- basically, the the cheaper the house, meaning like the, the, the lower the market value of the house, the easier it is to set up payments with the buyer that are less than what they'd be paying to rent the same house. Right. When you get up into when you get up into two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar houses, and you even if you even if you got them amortized over thirty years, and you know with the with the principal, interest, taxes, insurance, all that kind of stuff, a lot of times the payments turn out to be higher than rent, and we ideally want them to be lower than rent, because what we're trying to attract is somebody who not only will agree to do the work that the house needs, but is actually competent to do it. <laughs> And and will in fact do it. I mean, somebody can say, come, somebody can say all day long. Oh yeah, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to fix up a house because I watch, you know, flip this house all the time, and it looks so easy. That's not the person I want in my repair for equity deal. The the the, the guy I ideally want, or the gal I ideally want, is somebody that they can't buy a house traditionally, probably because their credit isn't great. Or maybe because they work a job where they get paid a lot of cash and they don't claim it, so they they have the income but they can't prove the income. You know, they the bank bank doesn't want them, right? But they're really right. really good at just you know going in and replacing a bathroom sink because it needs it. You know, painting painting a room, right? Like, and they've done it before. In my in my ideal world, my buyer has done it before. They haven't just seen it on YouTube. <laughs> 
<laughs> so so the the numbers are about um can you can you get that person a house at an under market price that they can then build in equity by doing what they already like to do and maybe even do for a living which is fix it up and then they can make payments and not have to go to the bank so it's a real win-win when it's set up right but but to be super clear it's not a cash sale, right? You're getting payments every month for a long time. Exactly, exactly. You know, and another benefit, Vina, that uh, we might want to point out to the listeners is we're dealing typically now, you know, you can do it like you mentioned in higher price properties, but typically we're dealing in a market and a price range where banks or mortgage companies don't even operate anymore. Typically, they'll have a minimum loan amount of fifty thousand or seventy-five thousand or whatever. You know, not, you know, you mentioned about sometimes they don't have a good enough credit to be able to get a loan. But a lot of banks don't even want to make loans below fifty or seventy-five thousand. So what we're really doing is we're providing a service and providing what's called affordable housing to people that are destined to be tenants the rest of their life without someone like us helping them. Very, very true. Okay, so Larry, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going we're gonna to put an imaginary lead on the table for all of our listeners, and we're going to talk through what would make you say, I'm, I'm going to flip that lead, I'm gonna, in other words, I'm going to wholesale it, versus no, this is a perfect repair for equity deal, and I'm going to do that. So you got two minutes to get ready. Sweet. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Larry Goins about whether wholesaling or selling repair for equity or whatever you want to call it is the better strategy. And by the way, listeners, if you have any questions as we are as we are walking through this uh, kind of philosophically based on a fake lead that we're going to put on the table here in a minute, uh, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. Or you can send an email. You can ask your question via email at askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Okay, so Larry, one of the things about these two strategies is that they're kind of done on the same house, and that house is right. going to be a single-family home. It's going to need work. This isn't this isn't a, this isn't a pretty house strategy. This is a strategy for a property that needs some work. Right. It's going to have you know. Well, it's it, it's 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 got it's got to be a house that's desirable to somebody either way. You're not gonna you're not gonna sell a house in the in the shadow of a leaking nuclear reactor or something. You know, just, just the typical kind of lead that real estate investors get. So let's say that we are at the lead stage. You know, we've we've we haven't we haven't really made a decision about what we're gonna do with it yet. We've talked to the seller. What sort of things? in your mind would make you say, oh, this is definitely a wholesale deal or this is definitely a repair for equity deal. And let's just, let's just start with the seller. Right. Right. 
So uh, the first thing I would do, Vina, and, and I'm sure you as well, I would want to find out, you know, what's what's going on right now in your life that has you thinking about wanting to sell this property right now. You know, are they looking for cash or, you know, one of the questions I always ask people, what do you plan? Do you have any special plans for the money? You know, I don't say, what are you going to do with the money? Do you have any special plans for the money? And, uh, you know, and, and I also want to find out if they own it free and clear, uh, how soon they want to sell. Uh, if we come to an agreement on price and terms, are they ready to get the paperwork started? You know, just things like that with the seller, how long they've owned it, how did they acquire it? You know, if they inherited it, then, you know, they didn't go out and buy it, spend their own money. Anything they get is going to be, you know, profit for them. And, um, but, uh, so I just want to find out a little bit about the seller and their situation, how they acquired it, if they owe anything on it, how soon they're hoping to close and get their money, and that sort of thing as far as the seller goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's say the seller says, I'm going to use the money to buy another house. I need it in all cash, and I need it right now. Okay. Where, where where does that leave lead your thought process in terms of is this more likely a wholesale deal or a repair for equity deal? Well, uh, one of the first things I want to do is get an idea as to the market value, and in the sense of, you know, what what kind of price range house is this? Is this a twenty five to fifty thousand dollar house, a fifty to a hundred, a hundred thousand plus house? Because typically, on the work for equity deals it works out better and you have better margins and you are making a higher return on your money and you're providing affordable housing in a market that the banks and mortgage companies don't do when you're working in the lower price band of properties. Mm-hmm. So I would want to get an idea as to, you know, what type of area this is in the sense of what are, what are other comparable sales going for? Is it a rental type area, which is okay. That's fine. You know, um, but is it a lower price area? Because if it was over a hundred thousand, I would probably, you know, I would just wholesale the deal because I uh, the margins just aren't that good, mm-hmm. and people who are looking for a property over a hundred thousand are more likely to be able to qualify for a loan and have the down payment to buy a property on their own, and, and they don't typically need need us, and, right? And Larry, having been down that unfortunate path a couple of times. I can also tell you that it's the higher you get up in price range, the harder it is to find the right buyer for the house. It's there's the margins issue and there's you know the payments issue, but also I tried to sell a hundred eighty thousand dollar house repair for equity one time, and it was a great deal. So the houses were like one eighty fixed up. It needed you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars maybe worth of just the work that could be done. Right. Over time, it wasn't even like you have to do it right now. And I put it on the market repair for equity at 120. And I must have had 50 people go through there and say, well, when are you going to fix this stuff? <laughs> I said, well, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> As the ad said, <laughs> right, right, the, right. the reason you're paying 120 and only paying, I don't remember what the payment was, called 1100 a month for it, instead of paying 180 and the and the payment that would be appropriate to that is because you're going to do it and 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 they were all like how would I do it because <laughs> these were all like white collar professionals who you know right. could they paint a room yeah are they gonna are they ever gonna 
be able to, you know, take out that water heater and put in a new one, which is not that hard. I've done that myself, but it just was not within their life experience that they right. that they and would they do such do a it. thing. They yeah. Don't want to pay somebody else to do it. Yeah, on the other hand, if I can get a $35,000 house and I know for a lot of our listeners that sounds incredibly cheap. They're like, that must be a horrible shack. It must be a mobile home in a bad area, <laughs> you know. But that that's what a lot of prices are like in the in the Midwest and the South, especially if you get out into rural areas. And especially when you get into these rental areas you're talking about, it's entirely possible to have a house that's the, the after paired value is only only sixty five, and you're selling it for thirty five. In that price range, I have person after person after person after person who's like, "This is exactly what I was looking for." What I do for a living is I'm a contractor, and none of this is any problem. I can do it better than you can. Where do I sign? Exactly, exactly. You hit the nail on the head right there. There's so many people that they want that type of deal. In fact, even you know this, Vina, even when you're advertising properties that you're wholesaling for cash, you always get inquiries of, will you do rent to own? Will you mm-hmm. own or finance it for me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Always. Yep, true, true. It's so much easier to sell. Okay, so price range is going to be one thing that if it's if it's over a certain price, you're just going to wholesale it to a retailer who's going to fix it up and then sell it for even more money. Right. Um what other considerations? You said something about the the seller maybe billing, being willing to take terms if he's if he's willing to let you make payments instead of pay cash. Does that affect things? Well, you know, it it, it really does. I mean, I, I'm really surprised by this, but every seller I talk to, if we do not come come to an agreement on a cash price, I always ask them, would you consider selling on terms where you get your equity and in monthly installments plus interest and you can actually get more money because if they want if they want you know thirty thousand dollars or excuse me if they want fifty thousand dollars for their property but all i can pay them is twenty five thousand cash i could give them the fifty thousand if they're willing to sell on the installment sale and quite frankly a lot of the don't warner uh, sellers right now are what I call tired landlords. They're tired of dealing with tenants, trash, termites, and toilets, and they've owned the property for years and years, and they're willing to sell on terms because they still get the cash flow. They don't have to deal with tenants. They don't have to deal with taxes, insurance, repairs, maintenance, capital improvements, or any of that, and they still get a monthly cash flow, and they get to take an IRS term called the installment sale, which allows them to spread out their long-term capital gains over the life of the loan instead of paying it at their next tax return. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. works out really, really well. So, I mean, I, I know this this uh, show is not about that, but that's a great topic. And, uh, and, and actually, of the 12 deals I did last month, eight of them, I got 100% seller financing from the seller, 3% interest, 90 days until the first payment, non-recourse, fully assumable with the first right of refusal if they ever wanted to sell the note. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you got that deal, if you got, if the seller said, I don't want your $40,000 cash offer, I want your $60,000 at 3% over the next 30 years, whatever, whatever the terms were, right. now you are set up so that you don't have to walk into the closing with a bunch of cash. You just have to, well, apparently you don't even have to give them any cash for 90 days <laughs> under your right, under right. your deal. So so you're set up so that maybe you've got an outgoing payment every month of $300, $350 a month, something like that. Right. And right. 
if you if you can make payments, which the seller said was okay, that means I assume that you can take payments, which means maybe that's a repair for equity deal. Maybe you just pass that. Absolutely. Mark the payments up a little bit. Mark the price up a little bit. Um, take take the cash flow. Let the other guy do the work for his equity. So it's called repair for equity. And right. and um, and maybe you're getting income now for 15, 20 years instead of one big cash payment, which is what would happen if you wholesaled it. Absolutely. In fact, you want to keep your payment to the seller around 50% of the rent. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, 40 to 50 would be ideal, but around 50 percent. Right. So, uh, in fact, we bought five, five of the eight we did last month already had tenants in them Hmm. and paying rent. Right. And she was just the seller was just tired of dealing with it. An experienced landlord just tired of dealing with with all the tenants and the repairs and vacancy and all that good stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So. When you've got that financing in place, you can do one of two things, all right? One of two primary things. Number one, you could keep it. You could just keep it. You got nothing in it. You didn't have to go to the bank, qualify for a loan. You didn't have to get private money. didn't have to do anything. And you've got instant cash flow coming in as soon as you get the property in rental condition. And then where it's what we call fit and safe, right, where you can enter into a landlord-tenant relationship you know, because you can't rent out a house that needs a water heater, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't allow that. They frown on things like that, right? <laughs> so do your tenants. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. Yeah, the building inspector does too, right? <laughs> but uh, so you could you could fix it up and rent it out yourself, or you could turn around and sell it. Uh, you know, you, I really call it wholesaling. You could wholesale that contract with the financing in place. Remember, one of the terms I get is fully assumable. I just assign it anyway, right? And then I'll get ten or $20,000 down from my buyer, and then they're going to make payments to the seller. Or if I wanted to, I could do a wraparound mortgage, and I could keep part of the equity and stay in the deal, right? I like a good, clean deal, so I typically just wholesale those and uh, let my buyer pay my seller. And I tell my seller up front that that's what I'm going to do, that I'm not going to be the one making the payments to them mm-hmm. if that's what I'm going to do with the property. So so that's, that's a couple of things you can do there. I know we got a little sidetracked, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a really, really neat thing that you can do, especially now because there's a lot of tired landlords, tired of dealing with tenants, and they're getting to the age that they don't want to have to deal with the properties and the tenants, and they want to simplify their life. And and hearing that their legislators would like them to not be able to collect rent for the next six months exactly. is making them tired, too. Exactly. So 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 kind of stage one of, like, we've got this lead. Is it going to be a wholesale or repair for equity is about what we're hearing from the seller. What's the price range of the property? What is the seller willing to take payments or not? Because if it's an all-cash deal, maybe it just gets wholesaled. If it's, a, if it's an equity or it's a, a payment seal... That makes it easy to do repair for equity if the property's right. When we come back from the break, we need to talk about what that means. <laughs> is the property is, is the right property? Uh, questions at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Larry Goins about whether repair for equity or wholesaling is the better strategy for any given deal. Before I forget about it, I can't believe I forgot about it at the beginning of the show, tomorrow night, Cincinnati RIA's meeting is the biggest meeting that we have every year. It's always it's always the second meeting in August and it's always the same topic and it's always a huge crowd and it grows every year because every year more people figure out how awesome this meeting is and they tell all their friends and more people come. It is called How to Make a Million Dollars in Two Years Starting from Scratch. That sounds like a setup for a sales pitch, doesn't it? Oh, there's no, no it's, it's it's a purely informational meeting. And it is, uh, it is, I don't know, being done by, it is, the, 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 the speakers are a panel of five people who have already made a million dollars in real estate. And they are, they are set up with the question of, if you woke up tomorrow morning, and you discover that you had lost everything except your knowledge. You have no deals, you have no properties, you have no money, you have no leads, you have no contacts, you got nothing except what you've learned up until this day. And you had to make another million dollars in the next two years, what would you do? And then they all just answer the question and say, here's the first thing I do and here's the first strategy I try and uh, philosophically, I would I would say that this would be a good way to go about it, and it is fascinating because every year I go to this and I think, yeah, they're all going to say the same thing because they're all successful real estate investors, and they all say very different things about how they would approach this problem. This year we have uh, a guy who made his million dollars purely in rental housing, uh, one who has done rental housing rehabs and hard money, one who's done rehabs, wholesaling rentals, one who is uh, entirely creative finance. All she does is buy properties uh, subject to the existing loan and then turn around and lease option them. And we also have Donna Bauer. Don't ask me how I, how I pulled that off. So we got somebody who's got a, uh, a million dollar note business. So everyone who's listening is welcome to attend that meeting. The one positive of all of all RIA meetings everywhere in the country being online now is that you can come to ours. Now either you're going to get RIA envy after that. You're going to be like, how come my RIA can't be like this RIA? All you got to do is go to CincinnatiRIA.com and click on the register button and then uh, download a free guest pass. Now that's not going to work if you've been to meetings before. You'll have to you'll actually have to pay for the meeting, or you can just join. It's only twenty five dollars a month to join. And trust me, this meeting alone is worth your twenty five bucks for this month. Not to mention the other eleven you would get by joining this month. So I strongly suggest that you attend this meeting because this is not about like how do I wholesale or how do I screen tenants. This is like this is really successful people telling you how they would approach making a million dollars in the next two years if they had if they were starting with nothing that's that's some it's a, it's a powerful conversation always is so cincinnatiria.com to sign up for that uh okay so larry we kind of we kind of crossed the bridge of the seller be actually before we get to the property i think there's one more thing we need to address about how do i decide what to do with this lead is it wholesale or repair for everybody and that is <laughs> what about me 
Like, like what about me? Yeah, like what, what, like I'm the as the person who's considering this. There's going to be some. There's going to be some things that I use to decide whether I want to do wholesale or repair for equity. If I know how to do them both, and the property's equally good for both, how would I decide which one I wanted to do? Yeah, that's a really, really good question, Vina. I mean, a lot of people, it, that's going to be an individual question for a lot of people. Number one, do you need cash now or are you looking for cash flow? I tell people when you're first getting started, you know, yeah, you can do a work for equity deal if you have no cash. You can do a work for equity deal and then you can sell that note that you've created and generate some cash. In fact, you could probably sell it for more money than you would make wholesaling, but it's an extra step involved. You have to buy the property, sell the property, and then sell the note. And you may even have to season that note for a little while. And if you have no money to start with, you either have to get the seller to seller finance it, or you have to go find private money, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're starting out, a lot of people, you know, they're working a full-time job. They need to generate some cash, chunks of cash, not cash flow yet. So wholesaling is probably the quicker way to get started with fewer steps. And uh, and then uh, you could also, you know, sell one, keep one, sell one, keep one. When I say keep one, I mean sell wholesale one, work for equity on one. Mm-hmm, wholesale mm-hmm. one, then do a work for equity on one, right? You can take the money you made on wholesale and not all of it. You got to eat. <laughs> and then, you know, and then carry the paper and do the work for equity on that one. And you can, you can generate some passive income at the same time that you are generating chunks of cash, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep enough to live on. Mm-hmm. If you're working a full-time job, don't quit your full-time job until you're making more money in real estate than you're making on your job. That's what I tell people anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and so there, there are some people that are just, they're, they're just like, mentally oriented toward buying and holding everything it's hard for them to sell stuff there's other people that are kind of the other way around they just want like everything they look at they're like what can i sell that for what can i sell that for what can i sell that for right right right. and you're right and neither approach i mean if you kind of look at it from the perspective of what's going to get me to that ender status the quickest What's gonna What's gonna make it so that I don't have to work the quickest? Neither, neither one of them is gonna do that. Like 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 wholesaling everything means you're always after the next deal if you want to eat again. And I, I I found that you know no matter how big a meal I eat I gotta eat again <laughs> the next day. Right, it's um, like an appetite they keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on the other hand, if you're like oh no I must keep everything because I don't want to give up equity to some other person that works it absolutely works but it takes forever <laughs> because right. you're not you're not right. generating you're not generating cash to help you buy more deals and also i have been in a position i have been in positions throughout my real estate career where right now what i have is a load of cash that i need to get invested and other times i'm like i got no cash i'd like to do this in repair for equity deal but i have to wholesale it I have to because I, I got to have the cash because I just spent all my money on some property, right? So um, it, it's not, you know, it, it's it's not only an individual decision kind of based on what your general mindset is, but also on what is going on right this second 
in your financial right. life. Exactly. You know, Vina, I've got a saying, and I love this saying, real estate is like ice cream. You can get too much of it and get sick, right? <laughs> so you have to sell some every once in a while. I know people that are multimillionaires on paper, but they don't have hardly a penny in the bank, right? But they've got all this equity. I'm like, you know, and they're staying up at night. They're losing sleep. They're like, what am I going to do? With ten- if tenants aren't going to pay me and What's going to happen? And I've got mortgages on these properties. I'm leveraged to the hilt. But you've, you've got to have a balance, right? You've got to have a balance. That's why, I mean, I'm 59 years old, right? I'll be 60 in November, and I'm really averse to debt. I don't want to take on any debt whatsoever. If I buy something, I'm, I'm paying for it, right? I, I don't even care if it's private money or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm buying something, I'm paying cash for it because I would rather, at my stage in life, I would rather get a deep, as deep a discount as I can, pay you cash, and I never have to talk to you again. Right? Yeah, but you didn't so. feel that way at 39, did you? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Right? And see, it's totally different, and everybody has different phases in life that they go through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the, 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 the broke millionaire that you described a minute ago, that was my right. dad. That was my dad for the first 20 years of his real estate career. Wow. He could he could show you spreadsheets proving that he was worth a million, two million dollars. Right. And then he would be stressed out because the $8,000 boiler in his apartment building went out and he didn't have the cash to pay for it. I was like, really? You have, you have $2 million in equity and you don't have $8,000? Sell something. Right, but, at least one. <laughs> but he was he was very averse because you know if you sell it you have to pay the taxes and plus right. you give up all the future equity. So you know there there's a lot of mindsets out there. That a lot of a lot of ways of doing things makes the world go round. So let's talk about the property itself because I think there's things in your mind that if you if you actually went out and looked at the property and you saw them, you would say, nope, this is definitely wholesale or nope, this is definitely repair for equity. What 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 would those things be? Great, great question, Vina. It's probably one of the most important questions that there are because when you're doing a work for equity, if you're selling to an owner-occupied buyer, someone who is handy, they're going to buy it, they're going to fix it up and move into it, that person is already they have a limited amount of money they have to work with, and they're using sweat equity, right, to build equity. Mm-hmm. So they probably have enough money to give you a down payment, 2000 5000 10000 whatever it is, right? However, you can't sell that owner-occupied person a property that the roof is leaking. They're going to have to go in and put a brand-new roof on or the HVAC system went out, and they got to spend $6,000 to replace that, or $8,000 on a new roof or whatever. You you know, it's got to be a property, and here's what I call it. It's got to be livable or close to livable. Yeah, a water heater is okay if it needs a water heater. Uh, also, you know, if it needs some, some work in the kitchen, kitchen cabinets, floor covering, paint, you know, holes, a few holes in the walls, a couple of doors. But if the house is not, if the house needs big chunks of repairs like a roof, a big capital improvement like a roof or HVAC system or something like that, 
then or all the windows are busted out, they're going to have to go spend four or five more grand on windows, then that's not the type of deal that you're going to put a owner occupied work for equity person in. Just remember that the owner occupied. I mean, just last month I sold a house we picked up for 10 grand uh, with owner financing. The seller was stuck at 10. I wanted to be at about four, right? <laughs> for cash, mm-hmm. but they were stuck at 10. And I said, well, I can do 10, but you're going to have to carry the paper and sell it to me on installment sale. They're like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> so I, I sold that property to another investor for 20 and the investor put 10 grand down, but the house was gutted. I mean, all, mm. you open up the door and all you see are the interior wall studs, right? It was gutted. You could not sell that property to someone that's going to live in a work for equity deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right? I, think, I think a lot of people when they hear about this, they misunderstand and think that like the person's going to keep renting their apartment while they work on this house for six months. No, they move in right away so it's got to be move inable i mean right. I, I, I think I, like <laughs> I think i think the 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 worst thing i've ever I, i've ever seen in a house that i sold repair for equity was um the, it, it was a bad water heater right it was look right. you know, we, we didn't even know it until we turned the water on because the house was vacant when we bought it but you know they they called and said oh man the the water heater doesn't work and i was like oh no well listen what do you want to do and he said well, i mean i can put it in this weekend before we move in it's just, it's not a big job to put in a water eater but i was wow. wondering if you i was wondering if you'd split the costs with me since we didn't know this was wrong and i was like yep <laughs> I, wow. I can i can absolutely do that okay larry we need to take one more quick break and then we'll come back and answer some questions from listeners if you have any last minute questions 8777729658 or alternatively um just send it to ask vina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Larry Goins, and we're talking about decision-making. You know, you got to lead. You know how to do wholesaling. You know how to do repair for equity. How do you decide? Or what, what, what might be some of the factors that would help you decide which one to do? And we've already talked about seller being willing to carry financing might tilt you more toward the repair for equity. If what you need right now is cash, that's going to tilt you more toward the wholesale. If the property is ugly but livable, it's a potential repair for equity. If nobody could possibly comfortably live in that house, then it's probably something to wholesale to an investor who is not in fact going to live in it while they fix it up. Um, we've got some questions here from listeners, Larry, and uh, actually the first one isn't really a question. This is from Rodney. He says, just just for your information, I've been doing the kind of deals you're describing for about 15 years here in Texas. I love them. They make Sweet. me lots of money and they make lots of homeowners. However, here in Texas, we don't sell them on land contract. We sell them on right. a mortgage and carry back a note. And Rodney, you know, there's a reason for that, right? Where I live and where Larry lives, it takes forever <laughs> to foreclose on a mortgage and note when somebody fails. And uh, in Texas, apparently, it's like faster than an eviction. Well, you know, Vina, also something to point out, and Rodney knows this, but uh, Texas is one of the only 
state, there's just a handful of them, but one of the only few states that you cannot do a land contract and you can or, or contract for deed, they call it, and you can also not do a lease option for more than six months. So Texas is one of the only states that that's true. Now, on the other hand, though, I think it's very important to point out that Texas has more seller finance transactions than any other state in the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's not a negative thing. It's it's one that they, they use, they work with. They just do a mortgage or deed of trust. I can't remember if it's a mortgage or deed of trust state, but they just do where they convey the property and they don't do a land contract or contract for deed, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and strictly speaking, you can do land contracts and lease options in Texas. You just don't want to. The law, the law is is such that it is not to your advantage in That's any true. way. That's true. It's so strict. It's <laughs> so strict. I mean, you know, if you do a lease option, it's got to be less than six months and you know, it's just, it's, there's a lot of caveats there. So that's the reason they do mortgages or, or deed of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, Aisha, who must be a long, uh, a, a, an every week kind of listener says, so I was listening to Donna Bauer last week, talk about selling financing. And now I'm hearing you talking about carrying financing. If I carried the financing and then decided I wanted cash instead, could I sell it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. And and there's a whole market for what's called discounted notes, discounted notes or discounted mortgages. And uh, that's what Donna talks about. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's going to be on your panel tomorrow night. Right. Yep. She sure is. Yeah. So that's what Donna talks about, buying and selling notes. And there's people who buy those notes, people who sell them, people who create them. See, I'm one of the people who creates them. Vina's one of the people who creates them. And then there's a market. You can go and sell those notes at a discount and uh, and generate cash now. And uh, and that's a whole market. There's people who broker them and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great strategy. Yeah, I have, I have several times raised cash to buy a property I was really excited about by selling one of the land contracts on my repair for equity deal. So, so basically what happens is the buyer actually is buying the house, but they're buying it subject to the land contract. So they have to keep the person in place and let them, the the person who's like living in the house, nothing changes for them except where they send the, send the payments. And they're actually Aisha super easy to sell. If you have a network that would normally, I always just go to Rhea and say, Hey, I got this available. Here's the yield. Does anybody want it? And usually I sell it before I leave the room. So there is a there is a big market out there for that. Okay, uh, Daniel, who does not say where he is from, says that the thing that has kept me from doing any kind of seller financing is that I understand that the failure rate is very, very high. In other words, people will pay you for a few months and then leave. You know, that could be very true, Daniel. That could be very true. And I've been doing this long enough to know. I mean, I used to want a 640 credit score. I used to want this. I used to want that. All I really care about now is two things. How do they pay their rent? And how do they pay their car payment? If they pay their rent on time and I can get a good uh, a VOR, verification of rent, and I can get a good pay history on their car payment because, number one, they got to have a place to live. And number two, got to get to work. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
those are the two main things as far as credit goes. I also like to see some stability on a job. I don't want to see that they job hop every two or three months and have long periods of time in between work. So those are the two main things. And But here's the thing. If someone is going to default, Daniel, they're going to default typically in the first 12 months. Oh, that's if your you experience too, huh? Months, right? But, yeah. That's sure interesting. It is yours as well. Yep. Yeah, and it's and it's often it's often the case that when you when you track them down and find out the story, it's something about um well, I was really happy with the deal and I was, you know, as you can see I did some work on it, but my wife was going crazy because she didn't like living in a work zone and so she just like she basically said if we don't move we're getting a divorce. It's it's often not about the deal. It's often about, you know, what's going on inside the household. So, and, and it, you know, it happens and, and you, it, to some extent you got to say, well, we want every single person who gets into one of these deals to succeed and make all of the payments and end up with a paid off house that they never would have had had it not been for this, uh, the availability of this repair for equity deal. But when that doesn't happen because the wife's going to divorce you if you don't move, uh, all right, so fine, you put it back up on the market and do it again. I, I, think, you know, I think Daniel might be overthinking how, what, you know, he might be thinking this is a bigger deal than it is. But Daniel, here is what can happen when you do one of these deals from best to worst, okay? The absolute best thing that can happen when you sell or finance a deal or re, uh, work for equity is they refinance and pay you off. It's never going to happen unless you do hundreds of deals like Dean and I have, okay? It very, very, very rarely happens. Maybe I've had two in my lifetime, okay? The second best thing that can happen is they default, you get the house back, and you get to do it again because now you get another down payment. So that's the second best thing that can happen. The third best thing that can happen is they just pay you as agreed, right? They just pay you, make their payments on time for the full thing. And the absolute worst thing that can happen is is you modify the loan and lower their payment for three to six months to help them out, right? Yeah, I would so rank those in a different order. I would rank those in a different order, but I would <laughs> say that's basically accurate. I mean, I, I kind of hate it when somebody leaves the property, A, because it's a hassle to, you know, I don't like doing work. <laughs> and you got to advertise it again and talk to people again. Um, but B, I, I really like everybody who moves into the property. I want them to own a house when they're done. Right. And when that doesn't... And, and listen, I totally agree with that. What I was talking about was best to worst based on your return on investment, uh, right? Yeah, gotcha. Uh, I, I mean, I try to work with people and try to modify the loan, but as far as the actual return on investment, you know, from best to worst, if they refi pay you off, you get or number two, you get to sell the house again and get another down payment, which reduces how much you have in the property and increases your yield. Number three, they just pay you as agreed. Number four, you modify the loan for a few months. Yep, yep. Larry, we are clean out of time. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming. I think this was I think this was a valuable show for listeners who maybe weren't aware that there were two options on these houses or were, were uh, confused about which one to do on which. And I want to remind people that Larry is one of the featured speakers at the upcoming online OREA National Real Estate Summit coming up November 7th through 14th. And his topic that he has an hour and a half all to himself without me interrupting and with visual aids is repair for equity deals. So we will see you all next week. With more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.